back of the Bible, all right? We're going to go all the way to the back to a book called 1 John. So you have 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, then you have Jude, and then you have Revelation. So we're going to the back of the Bible, turn to 1 John, and we're going to continue a series we started a few weeks ago called Called Out, what it means to be the church called out. If you're joining us on Facebook or YouTube, we want to thank you for being a part of our service today, our online community. Thank you for jumping in with us. If you have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 1, I want to spend a few minutes reviewing. Is that okay? Spend a few minutes reviewing. I always love to review because you don't get it all in one service or even two. You need repetition, and that always helps. It always helps me. So I started in the book of Matthew, and this is when Jesus was going through a region. And in fact, what happens is he goes through this region called Caesarea Philippi, which is a very, very dark place where there was a lot of sin. And he says to his disciples, he gathers the guys around him, and he says, guys, who do men say that I am? And they answered, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Jeremiah. He starts naming off these prophets. And then he turns to them and he says, but who do you say that I am? Peter speaks up, and listen to what Peter says. Listen to this. Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Now watch this. In Matthew chapter 16, here's what Jesus says in responding to Peter. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And you're Peter, and I say this, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now, when Jesus said that, he was not talking about Peter being the rock. If you know Peter's story, if you look at the rest of his life, how many of you know he was anything but a rock? Anything but a rock, right? What Jesus is saying is on the revelation of who I am, right? The revelation of who I am, that's how I'm going to build my church, my church, my church. The word church is actually a Greek word, and it's the Greek word ekklesia, ekklesia. And it literally means this, called out ones, called out ones, all right? That we're called out, that we're not supposed to act like the world, we're not supposed to look exactly like the world, we don't listen to what they listen to, watch what they watch, or do what they do. There has to be a difference. Listen to me, church. There has to be a difference between Christians and non-Christians. Amen? Right? So there ought to be something different about us. So the Bible says we're called out. That's what the church is. So some people describe the church as a what or where. But when Jesus described the church, he described the church as a who, right? It's not a what or where. It's not a, a humanitarian organization that meets together for the purpose of worship, right? And they sing songs and they lift hands and they act weird. No, that's not, that's not the church, right? The church is not 16569 Southern Boulevard, Loxahatchee, Florida. That's where the church gathers on Sunday mornings, huh? And some of those things about worship, that's what we do. But the church is you and I. Wherever we go, we are the church. We're the church of God. So we have to believe that we're the church and we are called out. And I said this, that I believe the first thing we're called out of is darkness. We're called out of darkness. In Genesis chapter 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, the first thing he dealt with was darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, 
right? And the earth was out form and void. And God spoke to the darkness. And he said to the darkness, what? Let there be light. God dealt with darkness at the very beginning. And he said as a church, we're supposed to be called out of darkness. We're supposed to be called out of darkness. So that's what we're called out of. So I said this, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to do two things. And we started with week one one saying this, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to show you what to walk away from, right? What to walk away from. Because there are things that we should not be a part of, right? There are things that we should not partake in. We should walk away from certain things. And uh, so you have to allow the Holy Spirit to, to help you develop, right, and raise the bar. Because in Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul was writing, he said this. He made an incredible contrast. He said this, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. See, this is how you're going to know the will of God. You be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Paul could have listed any sin. He could have said, don't lie, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He could have said, don't commit adultery, but be filled with the Spirit. He could have said, don't murder, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why did he choose drunkenness? He did that because drunkenness impairs you. It makes you think that you can do things you can't. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't raise your hand. All right, so so what I'm saying is this. Drunkenness lowers your level of inhibitions. And being filled with the Spirit does the exact opposite. That's why Paul used drunkenness. He said, don't lower your inhibitions, right? Don't lower your standards, Don't think you could do things you can't. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Raise the bar, right? Raise it. Live a holy life. And so that's why Paul said that. So we said this, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to tell you and show you what to walk away from. And then last week, I shared the second part in the series, and I said this, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to show you who to walk away from. We try to make lifelong friends out of people that we should not be associating with anymore. Oh, pastor, they they were in my wedding. Uh, They're not living right. But I, I, I went to high school with them. They're not living right. Huh? Oh, you don't understand. We we've been friends forever. They're not living right. Huh? They're not living right. They're they're not they're not acting like they should. And here's what happens. Bad morals corrupt. And so we have to know who to walk away from. Right? Because 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 says this. It says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Right? It says, because there's no communion between what? Light and darkness. There's no communion there. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be friendly, but some people you have to love from a distance. Did you hear me? And I can tell you how to do it. You want me to know? You say, well, pastor, I'm going to offend them. I mean, you know what? They're my friends. These people I hung around all my life. I mean, we've always vacationed together. You know, just start talking about Jesus every chance you get. 
When they get in the car, put on some Jesus music. Start going to worship. Come on now. Just start worshiping in the car. Just start talking about Jesus all the time. Just start quoting scripture. Guess what? You won't have to walk away from them. They're going to walk away from you. Come on now. They're going to go, that dude got weird. Jesus freak. Come on now. Right? And that's okay. That's okay. Some people we need to sever from. We need to cut it. We need to say, hey, I'm going to love you from a distance. And the, and the rule is this. You say, well, how do I know? I mean, how do I know how to associate with them? How often? You have to be light to their darkness. If you ever stop being light to darkness, then the relationship has to end. It has to end. So as long as you're light to the darkness, Jesus hung around sinners. He was not best friends with them, right? He was not their buds. He was light to their darkness, Right? So that's, that's the rule. That's how we have to be. So we talked about that. So let's talk about today what it means to walk in the light. Because 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 9 says this, But you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, his own special people. Right? And here's what he wants. He wants you to show the praises of him. Declare God's praises, right? Because he's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Woo. And I don't think that's two different transactions. I don't think that you walk out of darkness into shade. Right? When you turn on the light, you got a choice. Darkness or light. Now, it's a process of sanctification. It's a process where you begin to walk away from certain things as the Holy Spirit uh, enables you to do that. But you make a choice. I will not live in darkness. I'm not going to entertain darkness. It's not going to be a part of my life. I'm going to get all that junk out. I'm choosing to walk away from that, and I'm walking towards the light. Amen? I want to walk in the light. Now, the question is, what does it mean to walk in the light? Right? Because if I was to say, hey, as a Christian, what does it mean to walk in the light? Some of you would know, but it'd be hard to kind of put it to words. What does that really mean when I talk about walking in the light? So I want to give you some practical uh, steps to take, practical thoughts about walking in the light. What does it mean to walk in the light? Number one, here's what it means, that you are a student of the Word of God. Walking in the light means being a student of the Word of God. Right? You have to get into this book. Listen, I know I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to tell you right now. You have to get into the Word of God. Remember I said last week as we started service, I said that my pastor used to say this all the time. He used to say, hey, listen, don't take my word for it. You make sure that you're opening up your Bible, that you're reading the Word of God, right? And that you're getting into the Word of God. Because you have to know that. You have to know that what I'm saying lines up with God's word. Let me read to you from 1 John. If you're in there, 1 John, and we're going to start in verse 5, it says this. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen? Listen, we have to know. Hey, listen, I'm walking away from that darkness and I'm walking in the light. I'm a child of light and I'm walking in the light. And to do that, you have to get into the word of God. You have to read your Bible every day. Right? You should read your Bible every day. You need to get a Bible app. You need to get the Word of God. You need to get a book in your hands. You need to understand that this is truth. You say, well, pastor, if I have to make a decision, right, how does the Word of God help me in the everyday life? Psalms 119, verse 105 says this, your Word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. Now, let me tell you what that means. That means this, It's a lamp unto my feet. It shows me the next step. The next step. It's a light unto my path. It shows me the right path. Right? Two things. It says this. Lamp unto my feet. It says the next step. See, some of you are facing decisions and you're wondering, what's the next step for me? Well, it's right in here. You say, well, Pastor, I, I, I don't see it in there. Well, listen, here's how it works. You get into the Word of God, and your mind begins to change, right? Your mind becomes transformed, right? And then you tune into the voice of God, and you begin to hear His voice. And as you study this book, right, all of a sudden a decision comes. You have to make a decision. You want to, I don't know which decision to make, but you're in the Word of God. Your mind is being transformed. You can hear the voice of God, and all of a sudden you hear God say deep down in your spirit, this is the right choice. Amen? It's the next step for you. Hallelujah. Listen, I've taken a lot of steps that were major, whether it's leaving here to go into ministry or coming back here to launch a church. I mean, there's been some major, major steps. How did I know it was the right step? Wisdom from God's word. Wisdom from God's word. And you say this, the next path, right? The, the, the next step and the, the next path, the right path. So you got a choice. Some of you are facing choices on the job. You're facing choices in relationship. How do I know if this is the right person? How do I know if this is the right career move? How do I know if I should take this job because it's a huge move? How do I know if I should sell or buy? All these things that you're facing. Listen, you get into the word of God. God gives you wisdom. He speaks to you. You get the mind of Christ and you hear his voice. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. You have to know that. Walking in the light means being a student of the Word of God. This past week, I sit on the board with, with a guy named Dr. Bob Aberson, and he's been here before, and he's been a part of my life, and, and I meet with him on a regular basis for mentorship. He's just been a voice of wisdom for me over the years, and he came by this week in the office to sign some papers, and his wife was with him, and, and we've known this couple, my wife and I, we've known this couple for years, decades, really. And they've been ministering to us and speaking into our life. And I was talking with his wife, Nancy, and we were talking about how, how incredible God's word is. We said, you know what? You can read it over and over and find something new every time. You could read one verse a thousand times, but then when you read it the next time, it's like God shows you something you've never seen before. You live your entire life studying this book, and you never run out of things to discover. Listen, why? Because it's a spiritual book. It's a living book. And you need to get it deep down on the inside of you. Amen? 
So number one, you have to be a student of the word of God. Number two, walking in the light means you're raising the level of convictions in your life. Right? That means that, that the Holy Spirit begins to show you some things. He begins to tell you what's in and what's out. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, it actually says this. You were once darkness. So when we looked at the scripture before. You were once darkness. But now you're, you're light. You're a child of light. And here's what you need to know. You need to know that through the fruit of the Holy Spirit, through the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? That's the Holy Spirit leading you. You're going to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Well, what does that mean, acceptable to the Lord? That means that you'll be watching something, and the Holy Spirit will say, unacceptable. Ooh, come on now. You'll be listening to something, and the Holy Spirit will say, turn that off. Huh? He'll just say, no, don't watch that. I've had to, I remember my, my friends and I, we were very young, we were like teenagers, we loved going to the movies. Loved going to the movies, right? And so we would go to the movies, and the Holy Spirit was dealing with us about living holy lives and, and, and doing right and acting right, and we would have to walk out of movies. We'd have to walk out of movie theaters. Now, I'm cheap. You got to know that. You got to know that. I pay $7 for the matinee. Listen now, I pay that much money. I'm going to watch it. So do you know how hard it is for me? Even if I rent something on Redbox, my wife and I, we've rented stuff on Redbox. We got about 10 minutes into one movie and we had to shut it down. I thought, man, I paid a dollar for this thing. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about? I want to get my money's worth. Hello. That's why I go to restaurants. I eat everything. You know, I'm paying for it. I'm going to eat the whole thing. Right? Ever sends food back? Who sends food back? Anyway. But listen, the Holy Spirit would just tell you, nope. You need, to stop. you need to shut that off. You need to turn that channel. Right? You can't watch that. You can't listen to that. You can't talk like that. Because it's corrupting you. It's darkness. And you, as a child of God, are to walk in the light. We're to raise our level of convictions, amen? That we can't live like the world. We can't act like the world. We're in the world, but we ought to be different. There ought to be something different about us. Hallelujah. My wife and I just recently moved, and we moved into a neighborhood that's very friendly. This is new to us. Friendly people. Neighbors who talk to each other. This is very different. Very different for us. And so the, the guy that uh, is my neighbor across the street has been coming to church here for 15 years. In fact, he helped us when we launched the church, and I've known him forever. And, and so he was the one that found the house for us. So he told everybody, my pastor's moving in. <laughs> Why? Why did you do that? Let them figure it out, right? So they don't know how to, like, they're like, oh, great, you know, because they have these parties. They get together. So I got invited to the first party, all right? Oh, no. Memorial Day weekend, I'm invited. My wife couldn't go. She's out. So here I am by myself going to this party, me and my son, and I'm bringing him, and, and uh, like, okay, well, what do you want to drink? I'm like, well, what do you got? Nothing that I could drink. Not one thing. <laughs> Beer, wine, everything, alcohol. Do you have any water anywhere? Yes, we have some bottled water. You know what I mean? So then they start bringing around the jello shots. Who does this? These are grown old people. You know what I mean? They're like, would you like some jello shots? This one has tequila and this one has vodka. I'm like, do you have any just with jello? You know what I'm saying? I just slurp that. I'm not going to 
right? And I thought, no, no, no. And I thought, I go, wow, this is different. I haven't been invited back. That's it. Like it's, I'm not invited to another party, you know? But that's okay, you know what I mean? There's some places you can't go. Some people you can't hang around. You have to raise your level of convictions, amen? We ought to live differently, right? That doesn't mean we're not friendly. We need to be friendly. We need to be light to their darkness. So I believe that with all of my heart. So if you need help there, I'm I'm here to help you. But if you just want to hang, no. Come on now, amen? Raise your level of convictions. And then the third one is this. As, As walking in the light, as people who walk in the light, that means this. We need to have a rapid response to sin. Rapid response to sin. In that same book in 1 John, it says this in verse number 2. It says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, he's talking to us. How many of you know? That's, that's for you and that's for me. We all have sinned, right? If any of us sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, right? He is our advocate. The word advocate literally means lawyer. He's the one who stands up before the holy judge and says, yeah, 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 he did it. But guess what? The price has already been paid. Through the shed blood that I shed on the cross, he is forgiven. He's our advocate. Listen, we are forgiven, amen? And we need to have a rapid response to sin. I talked about Haiti, and I talked about Convoy of Hope and how they had a warehouse already on that island. And so as soon as that earthquake hit, man, they're distributing food, and they're distributing water, and they're meeting needs. Listen, when it comes to sin and the devastation that sin causes, we need to have a rapid response. We need to be quick to say, God, forgive me. I shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have done it. I need to have the, God, you cleanse me. I want to change my life, change my mind. You can't just just get down and discouraged and go, well, I've blown it again. I guess I'm not forgiven. And just let guilt and shame hamper your life and, and cause chains and shackles to be on you. You need to have a rapid response to that. My wife and I were pastoring in North Florida. Man, we had young guy, a young guy that would come to our church, and we knew him pretty well. And when he missed a week, you know, it was concerning. But then when he missed two weeks, we knew what happened. We knew what happened. And I'd call him up every now and then. He'd miss two weeks, maybe three weeks. I'd say, what happened? He goes, oh, man. I went out and got drunk. He'd go out and get drunk. He'd go out and party, sleep around. And I just knew it. He said, and this is what he would do. He'd stay away from church for two months. He'd say, I can't come to church for a little while. Right? He would just stay away because the guilt and the shame over what he did was just overwhelming. And I should tell him, listen, you need to get in church. You need to run to the cross. Come on now. Don't run away from the cross. You need to run towards the cross. Amen. You need to understand forgiveness and mercy and grace. Listen, it's not like God just sweeps it all on the carpet, pretend that it doesn't exist. But what he does extend to you is his mercy and his grace. And he says, listen, you belong to me. Listen, the moment you ask, you're forgiven. Listen, I'm going to wash you clean. I'm going to clean the slate. I'm going to say to you, 
Hey, get back up on your feet. Don't just sit there and wallow in your sin. Ask God to forgive you. Get back on your feet. Have a rapid response and say, listen, I've blown it, but I'm not going to blow it anymore. I've learned from it, and now I'm moving forward with the plan and purpose of God for my life. Somebody say amen. Amen. We need to have a rapid response to sin. Rapid response to sin. All right? I want to end with this. I'm going to end with this particular illustration. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come. Stay on Facebook for a while. Don't, don't let it go yet. But I want to give you this illustration, and many of you will get this. Some of you will not. If you're under 20, you may not get this at all. Many, many years ago, many, many, many years ago, when Pastor Mark was just entering college, okay, many, I'm talking about decades, <laughs> decades and decades ago, We used to take pictures with something called film. (laughs) Color film. Film. How many remember film? You would go to the store. Now, if you're under 20, let me show you how this worked. You'd go to the store, and you would buy film for your camera. You would bring it. You'd open the back of the camera up. This is crazy. I know this is crazy. You'd open the back of the camera up, you'd put one in one side, and then you'd stretch it out, and you'd put it in the other, and then you'd close the back of the camera. Then you'd hear this little little sound, and then you would take your thumb, and you would advance it until you knew that the film is ready. Now watch this, because it gets worse. When you took a picture, you never saw it. Unless you had a Polaroid. Come on now. You never saw it. You would then bring that when it ended. There used to be a little number. Every time, come on now. And you would, when it finished, you would bring that to like a Walgreens. To a photo place. Or you'd mail it to somebody. And they would develop it. Develop it. And here's how they developed it. They developed it in the dark. They would put it in a dark room, right? Because if light ever got to the film, it ruined it. It ruined it. See, in that dark room, the picture would come together. All of the faces and everything, all of the details would begin to show. But if somebody turned on the light or if somebody opened the door, all of that would just fade away. The picture would then be exposed. All right? Here's how I want to end today. I want to pray for you. Because I believe that some of you are still living in that dark room. And the devil is constantly reminding you of every failure, every fault, every mistake. He's reminding some of you of the pain, the abuse, and just when you're trying to get away from it, he pulls you back in by showing you a picture of your past. I'm going to ask you to do something today. I'm going to ask you to let light penetrate the darkness. Can we do that? Because some of you are stuck in that place. You're stuck there. 
You're stuck in that place where you can't move forward, that, that you can't get out of your mind what your parents did to you. You can't get out of your mind what happened to you as a teenager. You can't get out of your mind the picture of where you failed, where, where you've blown it. You can't get it out of your mind. The devil keeps showing you the picture. Let's erase the picture. Let's erase it. Let's let light expose it and get a clean slate, a blank canvas to start again. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes.